Good morning. Good morning. Happy St. Patrick's Day. All right, top of the morning. I love it. I've already been drinking some Guinness this morning. I see. All right. Um, you know, it was a tough crowd in the first service. Not a whole lot of laughs. That was kind of funny. So you can, you can laugh. It's okay, all right? Uh, a lot of green. I love that. You know, it's always interesting because, because I hear, you know, lots and lots of stories about St. Patrick. Most people think, well, I don't know exactly who he is. I think that he's the guy that like invented pinching. And uh, I think he is like a recent guy and went to school, at, I think at Notre Dame and then like played for the Boston Celtics and uh, then went home to Ireland. And uh, I think that's his story. Actually, that's not his story. Uh, he was born about 1600 years ago. He's actually a Brit. And um, he's not the guy that said, hey, let's have a bunch of parades in my honor. Let's dye everything green. That's, that's, that's not what he did. Uh, he's a guy that loved Jesus Christ, and he felt called by God to be a missionary to Ireland. So he went there, and he preached the gospel faithfully. This is a great holiday, because it's one of the only holidays that we have that actually celebrates the fact that there was a missionary called by God that went to this other country and preached the gospel faithfully. And we celebrate that. Now, we, you know, like over the years, it's been lost, obviously, and now it's all of these other crazy things, but just know this is a Christian holiday today. We are celebrating the fact that God called a missionary to go to this place and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to bring transformation by God's grace to, to, to a whole nation. It's an amazing story. So maybe now you're curious and you'll go home and you'll think, I want to learn a lot more about St. Patrick. He seems like a pretty good guy. He was an amazing guy. Amazing guy that loved Jesus Christ very, very dearly. Also, happy Lent, Right? Because it's Lenten season, and some of you might not know what Lent is. You might think, is that the stuff in my dryer that I pull out? I don't know exactly what you mean by that. It's the time before Easter that we take some actual special time to really think a lot more about just the fact that we need Jesus Christ. It's a time for sorrow in one sense. It's a time for, for like actual repentance. It's a time in which we just anticipate Easter. We just anticipate, I need this. I need this date that is coming. I need Easter I need to have Jesus because I think that all too often, it's not that we want too much in life. It's that I think that we're actually content with far too little because God has so much for us. God has so much just amazing richness in his blessings. And I think that we need to just understand God has more. God wants me to just experience more, but too often I'm so content with so, so little. We're in the midst of a series here called Family Stronger. And if we could give this time here today actually some type of a title, it might be actually Family Weaker. Because I think that there are times in which we go to the scriptures and we find so many stories and we're so encouraged by them, we're challenged by them, and a lot of times because it's stories of these great people that we feel like, gosh, I could never be that. And at times, you know, that we can do some things which we don't mean to do, but we can preach in a way that oftentimes can lead to some guilt and some shame because we think, man, I I am not like this. Today, we are going to look at an absolutely terrible dysfunctional family. And you'll feel better about yourself afterwards because you'll think, well, I might not be the best parent in the world, but I'm not that bad uh, compared to this. this. This message today is like a trip to the Kansas State Fair. If you feel bad about yourself, spend a day at the Kansas State Fair. You will feel better about yourself. You will, because you'll walk out and go, I've got some issues in my life, 
Maybe not so much after spending the day at the Kansas State Fair, seeing everybody there. It just attracts a lot of strange birds there. So this is your Kansas State Fair message today, okay? We're going to talk about some folks that you know. You know them well. We're going to talk about Isaac and then Rebecca and Esau and then also Jacob. And you might think, oh gosh, I love that family. They're just an amazing story. I love their faith. I love their godliness. Let me tell you something. This is a broken, dysfunctional family. And I think that all too often that we try to kind of put some gold on all of these stories in the Old Testament and we say, oh, you know, these are just amazing people. We need to have the faith of Abraham. We need to have the courage of Daniel. We need to have this and that. And we just kind of build this up more and more. Listen, there are lots of stories in the Old Testament. They are stories of broken people who apart from God's intervening grace would be absolutely lost. And this might be the ultimate story. This might be the ultimate story of those who are just absolutely, absolutely broken. Because we learn that the world is spiraling down in sin at the very, very, just like at the very, uh, I mean, we, you know, I mean, like, like we have this amazing, this great thing about creation and this great, great story, but then there's sin and the world begins to spiral down. And it spirals down until actually we have this great word that comes to Abraham. And he says, you know what? The world is going bad, but you know what though? I want to make you a promise. All nations are going to be blessed through you. And one day there will come a Messiah through your seed. And so we see that there is this scarlet thread all throughout scripture of when we await the great Messiah. And then we come to chapter 27 and we find a very, very dysfunctional family. We find that Isaac is that he's, he's old He's blind and he thinks he's about to die. And so he says, you know what? I need to give my blessing to my boy. And so he says, hey, you know what, Esau? I love you. You're like my oldest son. I want you to hunt some wild game. And I mean, I, mean, I want you to make it just, just like the way that I just love it. And then bring that to me. I want to eat that wild game. And then I want to bless you. His wife, Rebecca, hears this. She's furious. She says, wait a second, this should not be done in secret. This should be done in public and it should go to my son, Jacob. I love him so much. So she says, Jacob, I have a plan. I want you to go out, find some game. I want to fix this just the way that he loves it. And then I'm going to dress you up like Esau. You're going to look like him. You're going to smell like him. You're going to feel like him. And you're going to trick your dad and you're going to actually get the blessing. And Jacob says, whoa, whoa, whoa. What if that doesn't work? And it's not because he thinks it's on like spiritual grounds. That would be the wrong thing to do. He just says, what if this just doesn't work? It could go south. And his mom says a, just a, a, a powerful phrase that's just extremely chilling. She says, you know what? If it doesn't work, let the curse fall on me. Let the curse fall on me. So you've got four very, very dysfunctional people. The worst is Isaac. The worst is Isaac in this bunch. He started off with faith in his life. We have some great stories about Isaac, but at this point, he's not walking with the Lord. He's not. He's a spiritually disinterested father. He's not pouring into his kids. He has a son who is his favorite son, and almost everything goes to, to actually the firstborn. So he spends all of his time with Esau. So he hunts with Esau. He's outdoors with Esau. I'm sure he plays golf with Esau. I'm sure he watches football with Esau. This is the boy. This is my man's man. I love my boy Esau. He doesn't spend time with his other son, actually Jacob, because he's much more 
of like a mama's boy. He's spiritually disinterested. It's just heartbreaking. At this point, as far as we know, he's not even speaking to his wife. This is a thing that should take place in public. This is a big ceremony. It's like a wedding. It's a big deal. You bless your firstborn son. You would invite all of your friends. It's an enormous thing. He wants to do this actually in secret, which says there is so much wrong in his life at this point. So he, in just a big, big way, is just an absolute mess. His wife, Rebecca, she's just as bad. Now listen, her husband is blind, essentially. She's going to play a trick on a blind person. Is there anything lower than that? I mean, it's just deplorable. She's going to trick him. She doesn't call him my husband. He's your, your father. And she wants to help her son deceive him and trick him. Then, then you have Esau who is so short-sighted in life. Everything's got to be right now. And we read that he was at one point extremely hungry. And he just says, you know what? I've got this birthright, but I will sell my birthright for a bowl of porridge, for a bowl of just like, just like a bunch of red stew. I will sell it. Very, very short-sighted. And then you have Jacob, one of the most broken people in all of scripture. His story is so sad. I mean, he lives a broken life. And you can just go throughout his life and just this theme where he just wants to be blessed. He wants to be just affirmed. And yet he goes through so many stages of this just unbelievable pain and brokenness. It's interesting that at the very, 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 very end of his life, he's just about to die and he blesses actually Joseph's boys. And in his blessing, he says something amazing. He says, and God, who has been my shepherd every day of my life up until now, may he bless these boys. And you think, wow, May God, who has been my shepherd every single day. So at the end of this painful life, he looks back and he says, you know what? Even though for, for just lots and lots of my life, I just couldn't see it. God was there. He was my shepherd. He was always caring for me. And I think that we think, okay, the first person to call God our shepherd was probably David. It wasn't David. It was actually Jacob. And because he looks back and says, God has been there. He has been my shepherd. So we come down to the story and we see that, okay, so there's this whole thing being actually played out and Rebecca says, okay, Jacob, go get your dad some tasty wild game. So we pick up the story, chapter 27 and verse 14. So Jacob went and he got them and he brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way, just the way he liked it. And then she took the best, the very, very best clothes of Esau, which she had in the house, and she put them on her son Jacob. She also put on his hands the smooth part of his neck with some goat skins. Then she gave her son the tasty food and the bread that she had made. He went in and he said, my father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, he lied to his father and said, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of the game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly? The Lord, your God, gave me success. He, he, you know, this is obviously a big lie. Then, 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 then he says, come near so that I might touch you, my son, to know if you are actually my son Esau or not. 
Jacob went close and he touched him. He said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize them for his hands were hairy like those of Esau. So he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I might give you my blessing. Jacob then brought it to him and he ate and he brought him some wine and he drank. Then at that point, point, point he said to him, come near my son and kiss me. So he went to him and he kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and of earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After this, so you have this blessing is given, but then Esau comes in and says, okay, I've got the wild game, bless me. And Isaac begins to shake, we're told, and he says, I just gave that blessing out. And Esau begins to cry and says, no, 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 dad, it's me, I'm your firstborn, bless me. And he says, well, then who was the person that was just here that smelled exactly like you, that felt like you, that I just now blessed? And so Isaac just begins to cry, bless me, bless me. And Isaac says, I just gave that blessing out. What can I possibly do for you, my son? First of all, let's talk about the power, the power just to be really good, good parents. Listen, we all have a deep need here for blessing, right? We all have a deep need for blessing. And yet the story, it feels a bit confusing because it feels like, okay, you give the blessing to the wrong person. It just makes sense that you say, hey, listen, you know what? I was tricked. I didn't exactly understand. So I would draw my blessing from you, Jacob, because it was actually meant over here for Esau and I was just tricked. So, you, so I'm a little, you know what? Gosh, it just shouldn't count. It should just be a do-over. And we think, gosh, I mean, like the fact they can't do it, that's, that's kind of strange. It's not strange, because this story makes very, very, I mean, like extremely clear this, that words and that our words and our actions, they have, they have a, they have, I mean, like this ongoing power, it's, it's extremely genuine. And I mean, like it's abiding power. You, you might say, you know what, I'm really old, uh, but the thing that guides my life are things I heard from my parents back, back, back actually when I was a small child, because as a small kid, I heard things like, you know what, I'm just so disappointed in you, and I wish you could be more like your sister, and I wish you could be as smart as your brother, and I wish you would work a lot more like, like our, you know, just all of these things. And I meet with so many people that say, I'm still controlled by things I heard from, from my parents years and years ago. Words have abiding power. And the reason why you can't just take that, I mean, you can't just say, well, you know what, I, take, I just take this blessing and I just withdraw it, is because words matter. And I think that we lose that. That's why we have to know there is power in parenting because the power to use the words that we speak to our kids, those things can last forever. Those things can keep people in one sense imprisoned forever because it's like, you know what? I just want to make my parents proud because I, I, just, I just worked so hard in life, but I just never heard those words. Hey, I love you. I'm proud of you. And so I'm going to do everything I can in life and work so hard because I want my parents just to be proud. I hear that all the time. 
Parents, it is so incredibly important that we take time just to bless our children because we so often curse them with the wrong words. Why can't you just be better? Why can't you just work just a bit harder? Why can't you be a lot more like your brother or sister? Listen, we need to learn how to bless people because if you have been blessed, I mean, like you don't forget it. And it's not just, well, I sneezed and this guy said, bless you. That's, that's not it. It's just you take time to slow down and you speak words of blessing. It might be, hey, listen, I bless you. I pray for a rich life for you. I pray that you will just walk with Jesus Christ all throughout your life. I pray that God would grant you joy as you keep your eyes upon him just to slow down and to look in a person's eye and just to say words like that can make a massive difference for people. It might just be, it might just be like a touch. You might just actually grab their hands and just, and, and I'm mean, gonna just stare in their eyes. That can mean so, so much. It might be just those words that you use, words of blessing, words of just affirmation that can make a massive difference. Words, words actually promise. Hey, you know what? I promise I will walk with you as your parent. I will love you as your parent. You always have a place at home where you can come. This is always a safe place here at home. Our kids need to hear that. And if they don't hear that from their parents, they will look until they find that elsewhere. And that can oftentimes be the wrong place. We need to affirm our children. They're longing for that. They long for that. So you think, okay, why, why in the world would you have Jacob that has this big plan? Because there's, I mean, there's all these risks. I mean, it's like this whole thing could just backfire because he was so desperate for a blessing. That's how so many people are. They're so incredibly desperate for a blessing in life that they'll go to great lengths. They'll lie and they'll cheat. They'll do all sorts of things because they just want so much to feel like, you know what, I just wanna feel blessed. That's what I'm just longing for. I just want to feel blessed. And so Jacob is desperate for that. That's his life story. He's after blessing. He's longing for blessing. And you can see he does so many things in life. He pursues riches. He pursues wealth. He pursues women. He pursues all of these things. And it's not until he ultimately wrestles with God that God you know, pins him down, maims him for life, and you have this cry from Jacob, I just want you to bless me, I just want you to bless me. And there's just this little phrase that says, and there as they actually wrestled, God blessed him there. And that was the change in Jacob's life. When he finally felt the affirmation, it came from God, but he finally felt that, that affirmation, which we all desperately, desperately long for. So this is a very, very dysfunctional family. Here is the scary thing. The scarlet thread runs through their family. So three of these people, God will use to save the world. These are Jesus's great, 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 great grandparents. There's a few more greats in there. But this is a part of Jesus's family. And they're an absolute mess. And yet God is using them. What, what does that say? It says that God's power and God's grace is that strong, that he can take a mess of a family, incredibly dysfunctional family, and he can use them for his, for his ultimate glory. That should give us all great hope and great comfort because it's like, you know what? Man, I live in a family, I think we're pretty good, but we've got some messes in our family. God delights in using broken people. 
But there's that sense where we just have to just admit, I'm broken. Because when we are unfaithful, God remains faithful. He has to. Because if it all depended on on us, we would be without hope, right? Because if we say, well, you know what? I think I've got my stuff together. And I think I've got my family together. And I think I have my life. I think it's actually in very, very good shape. Then we don't need Jesus, the fact that we're broken, the fact that we have you know, lots of issues in life, that's why we desperately need to have the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there is the pain of parenting. It's the pain of parenting. Because we all want to have the blessing of the firstborn son. That's what we all long for. And that's what Jacob longed for. We don't want broad love from very, very general people We want specific love from some very specific people, especially our parents. Jacob absolutely longed for that. But listen, parents, you can put so much pressure on your kids that they have no chance in life. So so like oftentimes I'll hear, well, you know what? My existence in life is to care for my daughters. And I love my daughters so much that, you know, just to see them thrive, it just justifies why I'm here on earth. If that's your mindset, you will destroy your children. Because no child was meant to bear the burden of godhood. They were not meant to bear that. And if you put all of your hope, if you put all of your hope in, hey, as long as my kids do well, I mean, I want to feel so good. We are justified by the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not justified by the success or the failure of our children. And we put far too much pressure on our kids. And our kids feel that pressure of, I've got to perform, I've got to do well, or else my parents won't feel justified in life. That's craziness. No child was ever meant to bear that type of pressure. That's what causes parents to do crazy things, as we've heard about all, all, just all week, like go to great lengths to cheat to get their kids into a certain college. Because you find your self-worth in your kids. You find your self-worth in saying, hey, these are my kids, and they go to this school, and that's such an amazing thing. No child was ever meant to bear that, ever. So we all want to have a blessing. We all long for that. So how do we usually try to get a blessing? Because we're all in that place. Okay, I want to be blessed. What do I need to do to get a blessing? Most of us do exactly what Jacob did. We dress up like somebody that we are not. We dress up like really good parents. We dress up like a really good spouse. We dress up like really good Christians. We dress up like really good sons and daughters. And we go to great lengths to essentially masquerade and try to fool those around us because we try to dress up like people that we are not. And to go through life pretending that you're not somebody who you actually are, to go through life pretending that that you're much better than you are, is emotionally, physically, spiritually exhausting. It's exhausting. So we dress up. So we come into church and we're like, okay, kids, come on, we're we're here at church. We we gotta act like we're really good people. And you don't wanna you don't wanna lie too much, you don't, but you you don't want to tell everybody everything because you have that huge fear of, you know what, if people really knew me, they wouldn't like me. So you don't want to come into church and somebody says, hey, how are you? And you say, I'm a complete mess. I'm a complete wreck. You have no idea how bad my life is. You don't want to say that. We usually lie to each other with a four-letter word that starts with F, right? I'm fine. Hey, how are you? 
I'm fine. Listen, most of us are not fine. Let's just admit it. Life is hard, right? We're broken people. That's why we need Jesus. If we were fine, we wouldn't need Jesus. If it was all fine, hey, everything's great. Kids are great. Life is great. Marriage is great. Work is great. Everything is great. Isn't that exhausting? Isn't that exhausting to go through life pretending that you're somebody that you actually aren't? We do exactly like Jacob. We try to put on clothes because we long to be blessed in life. We don't want anybody to see the weaknesses and the shortcomings and the cracks in our life. Because once again, we have that fear. If you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. And so we go through that game. But no amount of money or status or accomplishment or any of those things can actually fill that void. It cannot possibly fill that void. You see, some of you are so desperate for folks to like you, for your parents to like you, that you make life choices, not on what you believe that God has called you to do, but you make life choices based upon, will this make my parents proud of me? Will this make my kids proud? proud of me? Will this make my friends proud of me? And once again, we're just dressing up as somebody else. Absolute exhausting work. Here's the big, big issue with that. Jacob dresses up like someone who he is not, and he receives a blessing. He receives the blessing he's been longing for. But you know how it felt? It felt completely empty. Because when you're acting like someone you are not, and you receive a blessing, it feels empty. So you get a big award, and you get some big prize, and you get, hey, you're the parent of the year, and you're the Christian of the year, and you're this amazing person, and you know in your heart, oh man, if they really knew me, if they really knew my life and my thought life and my lack of devotion, if they, gosh, if they knew all of these things, I would not receive this. It feels empty. I mean, like, I mean, like you're, you're embarrassed. If you get a big trophy that says, you know, dad of the year, man, you put that into like a cabinet and you close it up because you know in your heart, man, that is absolutely not me. It's painful because when you know that you should not receive that blessing and you get it, it just feels terrible. So you think, well, there's not hope in that. Um, so where's the hope in this? Listen, there is a promise of parenting. There is a promise. So the big question is, okay, how do we receive a blessing? And how can I then actually bless my children? First of all, the moral of the story is, if you come from a great family, God's gonna really, really bless you and he's gonna take care of you. And if you come from a really, really bad family, you know what, you don't have any chance in life. That's, that's not the moral of the story here. The moral of the story is God brings his scandalous, I mean, just his scandalous grace into the lives of those who don't deserve it, don't seek it, don't appreciate it, and they just constantly resist it. I mean, you know, God, God has this grace for us, but we long, we long to be blessed. So how? We want the blessing of the firstborn son. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation. He's the firstborn son of all creation. We're told that Jesus Christ came and he died upon a cross. He became a curse for us in order that we might have the blessing of the Lord. That's what Paul tells us. Jesus Christ became a curse that we might have the blessing of life itself. Here's how we can absolutely have the blessing. You have to realize Jesus Christ dressed up like us Jesus took the curse that we deserved 
in order that we might receive the blessing of the firstborn son. That's it. Jesus Christ came and he became human. He became like us. He put on our clothes. He put on our life. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died. He lived our life in our clothes and then he died upon a cross. He died upon a cross and he took the curse upon the cross so that we might receive the blessing of the firstborn son. This should free us because the answer is not dress up like a good Christian, dress up like a good parent, dress up like a good child. That's not the answer. The answer is understand that Jesus Christ has dressed up like you in order that we might know the blessing of the firstborn son. Because parents, when you see that, the amount of pressure that comes off is incredible. Because here's what that means. You're not the hero of your family. Jesus is the hero of your family. Jesus is the hero. We don't need to say, okay, you know what, as a parent, I need to be my kids. You know what, I've got to be my kids' hero. I've got to work harder and harder because I've got to be their everything. No, Jesus Christ has got to be their everything. Jesus Christ is the one who saves your family. Jesus Christ is the one who can help you to lead well in your family. And it only comes as we admit the fact that we are broken, we have cracks in our life, and we desperately need him. That is the most freeing thing in the world because if you have the mindset of, I just have to do better, I just have to try harder, you know what, you will never be able to make you're up to the standard that you're after, which will always lead to guilt and shame and heartache. But when we admit the fact we can't do this apart from Jesus, that leads absolutely to a place of surrender to him, surrender to everything that he offers us. And it makes Jesus Christ the hero of our family. Jesus Christ is the hero of all things. Right? You understand that? The answer for the USA is not the right political party or the right person. It's Jesus Christ. The hope of these parents who've done so many stupid things trying to get their kids into college is not that they would have you know, rehab and jail and all these things. Their only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. The hope of the person who has come to church week after week after week here, your hope is not Christian, it's not Ryan, it's not whoever you might, your hope is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our only hope. That's what makes us to be the best parents that we can be is grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He longs for us to stop pretending, to take off our masks, to take off all the work that we do to pretend that we're much better people. We play the Jacob game every single day, and God just says, stop. It's gonna kill you. It's exhausting. It's emotionally, spiritually, physically exhausting. Surrender to me. Surrender to me because I am the thing that you so desperately need. So I think that there's an application here, and it's this. First of all, be better parents than, than like actually Isaac, which shouldn't be too hard because he was an absolute mess as a parent. Spend time with your kids, affirm them. You can't affirm them if you even write to them. My dad, uh, before he passed away, wrote me uh, a very, very sweet letter, and I carry that actually in my Bible. It's right here. And you know what, I read this this morning, and once again, like every time, it just brought tears to my eyes because he affirms me. He tells me he's proud of me. He loves me. It's not because of things I've done. He just affirms who I am in Jesus Christ. If you could just even write your kids and just bless them, bless them in writing, 
Most kids will save that forever because it is a rare thing. Seek to bless your children. Seek to bless your children. Find the words you can and just affirm them. Next, we need to just admit we are desperately in need of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Embrace the gospel. Take off your mask. Just say, I'm broken. I need Jesus. And then the most important thing, realize Jesus Christ came and dressed up for you. He took our curse so that we might receive the blessing of the firstborn son. I pray that we would be less like Isaac and a lot more like St. Patrick. That we would long to take the gospel message to places where the name of Jesus has not actually at this point been named. That's what he did. He went to Ireland, which, was, which did not know anything about Jesus Christ. He took the gospel message there. We need to take the gospel message where it so desperately needs to be heard. So with all of that, let's pray and let's ask God to be our blessing. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful this morning for the amazing fact that you came, you dressed up like us, you took the curse upon the cross so that we might receive the blessing of the firstborn son. Father, just the fact that you offer us that, it's, it's incredible, it's overwhelming, it's encouraging. Father, so many of us here, we have worn masks for so long, we pretend so hard, we dress up like lots of different people, dress up like good parents and good Christians and really strong leaders and good work, on and on and on. Father, that can be exhausting. May we not pretend today, but may we come and lay ourselves bare before you and say, I desperately need Jesus. I long for a blessing. That's what we long for. But may we realize that that comes in you. Father, may we not put crazy pressure upon our kids to be our justification in life, but may we understand that our justification comes from you alone. Father, let us bless our children let us bless our friends. Let us bless our coworkers. Father, give us the touch and the words and the words of promise even just to be able to really, really encourage them so that they would be able to see through us the gospel message. Father, we thank you for this day to celebrate a man that was called as a missionary and went in obedience. Father, may we do likewise. May we be obedient to your call. Father, thank you that you know us fully and you love us fully. We don't have to put on any type of a mask in front of you. You know everything about us and you love us completely. And for that, we're amazed, we're thankful, and we're hopeful. And so we give you the praise and the honor and the glory in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.